0: Today we have the 16th of February 2018, it's Friday. In my talk today, I will speak about metta as a path to peace. I will also mention some reflections on anger and patience and talk a little bit about how the ego keeps anger or defilements strong. So, peace is something we all want. Peace in ourselves and peace in the world. People want to live peacefully, people want to live in a peaceful country. But we also know that people or countries have been fighting against each other. There have always been quarrels, conflicts, and wars. And we also know that people or leaders have repeatedly tried to establish peace. And they are still trying to do it up to this day. In a way, it's it's quite amazing, but also very sad, that world leaders have not been successful in establishing lasting peace. We know that politicians, they have these big words of peace, wanting peace, even signing peace treaties, but then they go and use weapons, to bring about peace. Since quite a young age, I have been thinking, how can they be so stupid to think that weapons will produce the beautiful flowers of peace? I mean, every child knows that an apple seed will produce an apple tree or A cucumber seed will produce a cucumber. Weapons, they produce blood, hatred, enmity. Most conflicts, quarrels and wars, they arise because of dosa, anger, aversion, ill will, enmity, but also because of loba, greed, wanting, desire. So dosa, as well as loba, they arise in the heart and mind of people. And likewise, do compassion or kindness and care arise in the heart and mind of people? So if we want the world to become free from aversion, hatred, enmity, and greed, wanting desire, then we have to ban these destructive emotions from our heart and mind. So the basic cause for all these quarrels and conflicts and wars, they lie in the heart and mind of human beings. And as we probably know, the Buddha had said that everything springs from the mind. Every deed originates in the mind, in the heart, of people so we we need to tackle this problem at its very root so this means that these unwholesome mind states or emotions like aversion enmity or greed and wanting they need to be weakened and finally eliminated in each human being Only when the hearts and minds of human beings are no longer controlled and fueled by dosa and loba, only then is peace possible. Shantideva was an Indian Buddhist master who lived in the eighth century of our era and he had said how many evil men could I kill the number is boundless as the sky but if the thought of anger is killed all enemies are killed and in the Preamble to the UNESCO Constitution, it is stated, since war begins in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be built. Beautiful words, aren't they? But then what are politicians doing? They wage wars in the name of peace. That's really stupid. (laughs) Absurd. (laughs) So I said, these destructive emotions of dosa, loba, so we need to weaken them, eliminate them, but Instead of these destructive emotions, we have to place something else. So we have to substitute them with something that creates or is a good base for peace and mutual understanding. So we have to substitute these destructive emotions with a helpful or wholesome mind states, heart states, such as understanding, kindness, compassion, harmony, and so on. As you all know by by now, the opposite of dosa, all forms of aversion, ill will, hatred, frustration, that's loving kindness, metta, or friendliness, benevolence, universal love. And as you also know very well, metta, that's the wish for the welfare and happiness of all living beings. So metta is not only the absence of aversion or anger, but it's really this heartfelt wish for all beings to be happy and well. And so the practice of metta meditation, the cultivation of kindness, friendliness, unconditional love, we have come to experience for ourselves that actually wishing others to be happy and well makes us happy and well. Many of you have reported in the interviews that the heart, the mind is becoming increasingly happy and joyful or increasingly peaceful these days. And when we are peaceful, Then we are at peace with ourselves, and we are at peace with the world, with what is around us. So then whatever is happening in us and around us, it does no longer interfere with our peacefulness. We are simply completely at ease and in peace with ourselves and the world. And in this mode of being, we can meet each person and each situation in a peaceful, gentle, friendly way. We all know that anger and the rest of all these destructive emotions are not helpful emotions. They create, they cause so much suffering for us and as well for others. And even if we direct our anger towards another person, then this anger has a great impact on ourselves because this anger burns us, it burns our heart and mind. This anger makes us feel bad, crummy, dejected. In the course of our Vipassana meditation practice, as we are instructed to note and observe whatever comes up in body and mind. So then when anger comes up, we should be mindful of the anger that has arisen, feel it, be aware of it, how it manifests in ourselves, in the mind, the heart, as well as in the body. And so there we really come to experience how painful this experience of anger actually is. And one of the reasons why we need to be mindful of anger in our Vipassana meditation practice is to come to really deeply and thoroughly understand the nature of anger, to really feel it in ourselves how destructive an emotion anger is. So to see how harmful it is for us, and then also to come and understand how harmful it is for other people, for other beings. One time I was teaching a retreat in the Blue Mountains in Uh, Australia near Sydney I visited um, the Buddhist Vihara in Katoomba and at that time there was a monk there called Kudagala Kovida and he had said becoming angry always means you are slowly killing yourself how true this is So, what is it that keeps anger so strong? What is it that gives anger so much power? Why can't we simply say, anger, go away, I don't want you anymore in this life? We would love to do so, wouldn't we? (laughs) But despite our best intentions, it arises again. So what is it that keeps the anger so strong? What it gives so much power to it? Basically, it's the identification with our ego or the sense of self or I. So for example, when the I, and the ego has been wronged or insulted or hurt. So then the ego finds a good reason to get upset and angry. And it finds it has a good reason to express the hurt or insult with disapproving and angry words or uh, angry deeds. And in a way, This feels so good. And we may have also noticed from our own experience that somehow the ego enjoys to be angry. It makes the ego feel good. It gives power to the ego. It inflates the ego. It makes the ego strong and solid. So anger and other unwholesome mental states or emotions, they are ego boosters. They inflate the ego and make it strong. And this is the reason why these destructive emotions are so difficult to overcome, why it's not easy to simply let go of them. In the Samyutta Nikaya, there is a short sutta which illustrates this deeply conditioning um, very nicely. It's the story of the anger eating demon. The sutta itself is quite short. What now follows is a slightly elaborated version of the sutta. And I must admit, I really like this story, this sutta, because the mechanism of anger as an ego booster is illustrated so nicely, so vividly. So once there was a demon who had a very peculiar diet. He fed on the anger of others. And the feeding ground of this demon was the human world, and so there was no lack of food for him. The demon found it very easy to cause some quarrel, some conflicts, and if he didn't get enough food, it was easy for him to cause a war. And once a war started, he had plenty of food to eat. And sometimes he had to hold back a little bit and just nibble a bit on anger here, nibble a bit on enmity over there. So he was quite successful and one time he got a bit bored with just the the anger from the human world and because it was so easy to get his food. So he thought, hmm, Why should I not try it with the devas? Go to one of the deva realms. Devas, these celestial beings, are said to have less anger than humans, but still they are not free from anger. And so by his magic powers, the demon went to one of the deva realms, and it was the deva realm with uh, king Sakka, who was the king of the devas. He arrived there when King Sakka was absent, and so the demon went into the large audience hall and set himself on the throne. And so there he sat, squat and grinning, looking forward to what was would be happening. And it didn't take too long and some devas passed near the audience hall, looking inside, they were shocked to see this ugly demon sitting on their beloved king's throne. So they went inside, uh, shouting at the demon, hey, the demon! go down, get out of here. What are you doing in here? How do you dare to sit on the king's throne? The demon sat there, quite pleased with what was unfolding. So more and more devas would come in, more and more devas getting upset and angry and shouting at him. And the more and more the devas were getting angry, the demon was pleased because with each angry word he grew in size, in strength and power. And finally, he had become so big, so tall that his head almost touched the ceiling of the audience hall. But then, King Saka, entered the audience hall. And King Sakha um, was not shaken by what he saw. And we must know that he was a sincere practitioner of the Buddha's teaching. And it is said that his Dhamma eye was already opened, meaning that he had uh, attained at least the first stage of enlightenment. So he saw this huge, ugly demon sitting on his throne. Very calmly, he went up uh, to the throne and then very politely went down on one knee and with the hands in Anjali, greeted the demon saying, Welcome my dear friend, you know, please remain seated. I can take a chair and sit next to you. May I offer you some tea or coffee? You know, we have a very nice Starbucks coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Or would you rather like some fruit juice from our organic, Oranges, or maybe you are hungry. Would you like something to eat? Maybe some Burmese mohinga that we had this morning. We have some left. Or would you rather prefer a pizza? Our Italian devas can make you a real pizza. Or what about fish and chips? So, with each of these kind and friendly words of the king, the demon shrank, and he became smaller. And finally, the demon was so small that he was simply the size of a little green pea. And then, King Saka said one more friendly word, and with this, whoop! the demon dissolved and was no longer there. So as long as we feed the anger, as long as we feed the anger ego, then the anger ego is growing and getting strong. By feeding it, we solidify it. And this is the vicious circle. The angrier we get, the stronger gets the anger ego. And the stronger the anger ego gets, the stronger anger becomes. So to get out of this vicious circle, we have to starve the anger eating demon. And how can we starve it? By serving him kind and friendly food, kind and friendly thoughts, words and deeds. Serve him meta thoughts, meta deeds, meta speech. That's the trick, simple, isn't it? a bit more difficult to to put in practice. However, the next time you get upset or angry, try to remember this story and then start to feed the anger with kind and friendly food. You will see, this will work wonders. Not reacting with anger, this is not a sign of weakness. On the contrary, it's a sign of strength. If we can stay calm, friendly, and kind, this shows how strong the heart and mind actually is. This shows how well the heart and mind are trained and educated. So to stay kind, calm, friendly, peaceful, this is a sign of strength. It's not a sign of weakness. A person who exemplifies this inner strength of kindness, of peacefulness, is for example, the Dalai Lama. He is deeply convinced that lasting peace for his country, for Tibet, can only be established by peaceful means. And for this, he has become the Peace Nobel Prize. For his efforts, to resolve this problem by peaceful means. Again, there are also very ordinary persons who have come to deeply understand that the use of anger is actually counterproductive, that the presence of anger is actually creating more problems rather than solving problems. You may have heard of this non-anger reaction, or in other words, the meta reaction of a Frenchman who had lost his wife in the terrorist attack at the Bataclan Music Hall in Paris a bit more than two years ago. So his wife had been among the 89 people who died in that attack. And his response to this cruel and mean attack was not one of anger, but one of love, of meta-love. He posted a post on Facebook, which was meant for his friend, but then it spread around the world. He said there, kind of addressing the terrorists, I will not give you the gift of hating you. To respond with anger and hatred would mean to resort to the very ignorance that made you what you are. You want me to be scared, and that I suspiciously I, my fellow citizens, you want that I sacrifice my freedom of security. You have lost. And he also said that he was determined to raise his son in a way that he, the son, could be happy and free. And he added, you also will not get the hatred of my son. So, this man's rejection of hatred was the exact opposite of the war language that French politicians and reporters in newspapers used. That war language going back to the Old Testament, where it says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But this man, he said, you do not get my hate. Wasn't this the most dignified and the most human attitude that could be shown against this cruel attack. In the Visuddhimagga, at the beginning of the chapter about the practice of metta meditation, it is said that one should start the practice with the reflections on the dangers of anger, or dosa, and the reflections on the benefits of patience. Sayadaw Uindaka has already mentioned some of these reflections in one of his talks. So here I will present some of these reflections that can be used. So first, the reflections on the dangers or shortcomings of dosa, all forms of anger, aversion, ill will, hatred, and so on. So for example, to reflect, when dosa is present in the mind, one is no longer able to distinguish between good and bad, or one is no longer able to distinguish between what is wholesome and unwholesome. You know, it means that one no longer sees or recognizes the defilements as defilements. And because of that, as another reflection then, if there is dosa, we do not know anymore what is lawful or what is against the law. Or when DOSA is present in the mind, one is liable to make many mistakes. Or when DOSA is present in the mind at the time of death, then our minds and hearts will be confused and tormented. And dying in such a state, it is said one will be reborn in an unfortunate state of existence. And this reflection combined with a reflection on death, namely that we can die at any time. We don't know whether we die in 10 years, in 20 years, or whether next week or tomorrow, or whether it is just in a few moments. So then better get rid of the dosa in your mind because you might die. And when dosa is present in the heart and the mind, it also, that dosa also manifests on the physical level in our body. And so there are also unwanted and unbeneficial effects of dosa in relation to our body, in relation to our health. So people with lots of dosa are much more likely to have high blood pressure or to suffer from heart disease or to suffer a stroke. Or a person full of anger, hatred, such a person is not really nice to look at, It's not a nice sight. I remember so well in primary school the teacher I had from first grade to third grade, once in a while, he got very angry. And when he was angry, he was kind of stamping across the room and his face was all red, his blood vessels stood out and then his hair, flipping it back. It was really not a nice sight to see him that much uh, in anger. Or another um, unwanted effect of anger is that one is unable to sleep or to eat. Then here are a few reflections on the benefits of patience. The party word for it is Kanti. Kanti can be translated as patience or tolerance or forbearance. Kanti is one of the paramis. It's also one of the blessings. So kanti, to be patient, to be tolerant means that we do not retaliate with anger or irritation when we are abused, scolded, shouted at, when we are tortured or ill-treated. But this does not mean that we have to stay completely passive If necessary, we can take action. We should take action. But we should be careful that our action is not based on anger, but that it is based on understanding, on wisdom. In one sutta of the Anguttara Nikaya, the Buddha extolled the dangers and benefits of patience. And here comes a summary of the benefits of patience. So if we are endowed with patience, tolerance, forbearance, then the Buddha said, We will be loved by many people. We will be free from dangers. We will be free from faults. We will not die with a confused mind. And after death, we will be reborn in a good destination. And it's also said, that there is no benefit that excels patience or tolerance. Patience is the weapon of the virtuous person or patience or the power of patience is like the power of an army who can resist the enemy. So there are many positive aspects of patience. And if we reflect in this way, then we come to better understand the benefits of being patient and tolerant. And then with this, we will be more inclined to be patient or we will be more willing to be patient instead of giving in to impatience or irritation or ill will. And so in this way, the power of patience will gradually increase, become stronger. When I was staying at the Yeta Meditation Center in Mobi, about 30 kilometers north of Yangon. It was a branch center, the forest center. At one time, we had a foreign meditator who was quite obviously of a dosa type, of an aversive nature. So he got upset and angry quite often. And, you know, little, reasons, irritations, or things that were not to his liking could um, be the cause for his anger to arise. And somehow he must have noticed that on average Burmese people um, do less get angry or he noticed that Westerners uh, seem to have more anger or express the anger than Burmese people. And so one day in an interview with Sayado Ujanaka, um, he asked why this was so, why that Westerners seem to have more anger than Burmese people. And I was present there at that interview and I was wondering what Sayado Ujanaka was going to say. And he said, This is so because Westerners do not understand the value and benefit of patience. Yes, I found it's true. And you know, I really think that these qualities of patience, of tolerance have become an almost awkward commodity in the West because nowadays almost everything is available instantly. Things are just one click away. So no more need to be patient, to be tolerant. And anyway, it's so much about me, 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 me. I want things to have like this and... uh, So that makes people less patient and tolerant. So as it is said, uh, in the, in the Visuddhimagga, these reflections on dosa and patience can be used in the practice of metta meditation at the outset of one's practice, or they can be used when we get stuck in the meta practice or when it seems no longer possible to cultivate loving kindness in a recent talk Zayato has also mentioned that you know when it's becoming difficult in the meta practice to cultivate the loving-kindness when we get stuck in negative emotions, that we could switch to Vipassana meditation and in this way try to overcome these difficult mind states or emotions. Usually, Sayadaw Uyendaka tells the meditators, to deal with anger during metta meditation in this way, like he gives different options that one should try. So the first thing when anger um, arises in one's metta meditation is to simply acknowledge it, it has arisen, but then to ignore it, to put it aside, bring the mind back to the metta and continue to cultivate um, loving kindness. You know, this is like turning the head away from the anger and turning it in the direction of metta. Then, if the anger keeps coming up or persists, then Sayedol says, then go and do these reflections on the dangers of dosa, on the benefits of patients. And with this, the anger may disappear. If this still doesn't help, if the anger comes back, then Sayadaw had said that one should recall a so-called meta person, a person who for oneself is really kind of the manifestation of metta, of the friendliness, kindness, care, and so on. And for Sayadaw Indaka, the metta person is the Buddha. So he would recall the Buddha. One meditator once has said in an interview that for her, the meta person is her mother or it could be one's teacher or maybe one's auntie whatever or whoever that person is to recalling a meta person might bring back the meta in one's heart and mind and with that the anger may disappear And then when this also fails, then Sayadaw gives the advice, then switch to the Vipassana meditation and deal with the anger in a Vipassana manner until it goes away, what has disappeared. So quite soon, those of you who have come for the second retreat, you will start to develop metta for a disliked person or a hated person or an enemy or a difficult person. In other words, developing metta for a person, you naturally not have a kind and friendly Uh, relationship with. And so at the beginning, this might be difficult. This might be challenging. And faced with these difficulties or challenges, then meditators may think that they will be never able to do so. May think that this is impossible. But the Buddha was very adamant to say that we must overcome all forms of dislike, of hatred, of enmity, resentment, irritation, and so on. We need to overcome all these forms of dosa if we want to become liberated. There is simply no way around it. And if there were, The Buddha was compassionate enough to tell us if he knew the shortcut. (laughs) We know that the Buddha did not approve the killing or harming of other beings. He always said, that we should not kill, we should not hurt and harm other people, other living beings. But one day, a man came to see the Buddha and he asked this question. He said, Buddha, whose killing do you approve? What do you think? Did the Buddha answer? And you might be surprised to hear that the Buddha said, he approved the killing of anger. Yes, the Buddha answered that he approved the killing of anger. So to this end of killing the anger, or maybe in less dramatic words, the overcoming of anger or the melting away of anger. So the practice of metta meditation can be a great and immensely helpful support to finally eradicate all forms of dosa. So on the way to overcome all forms of dosa, the practice of metta meditation helps weaken anger by strengthening its opposite, namely metta, kindness, friendliness, benevolence. Of course, the final overcoming of dosa happens through understanding and wisdom, which means it happens through the practice of vipassana meditation. A verse in the Dhammapada highlights the fact that anger and enmity are only overcome by love, by meta love They are not overcome by more hate or aversion or enmity. It's the verse that you may uh, already know hatred never ceases by hatred by love alone it will cease this is an eternal law hatred never ceases by hatred by love alone it will cease this is an eternal law although it seems to be so difficult to let go of these negative thoughts and emotions like anger, resentment, and so on. We should make an effort anyway, because it is for our sake. It is for our well-being. It is for our peace of mind. hatred, ill will, anger, and so on, they are all unhealthy and toxic mental states. They are really like poison for the heart and the mind. And these negative emotions are kept and kept alive and nurtured by the repetitive thoughts of anger, aversion, and so on. You know, that's the thing that the ego um, likes. It keeps these thoughts of anger, aversion alive. You know, anger towards this person, hatred towards this group of persons. But actually, this is like drinking poison oneself and then hoping that the enemy will die of it. Bhikkhu Analayo is a German monk and also a great scholar. And in regard to Metta, Metta meditation, he has said, Every minute, every second I dwell in metta is a moment where I'm free from anger. Metta meditation is training the mind in experiencing the beauty in being without anger. You know, you have made the experience how beautiful it is when the heart is simply full of metta, when anger, aversion, irritation is absent, even though it might have been just a short moment, a short while, but that beauty of a mind without anger, it's quite powerful. Here comes another example of a person who deeply understood that all notions of anger or enmity first of all poisons one's own heart and mind. And it's about a Burmese man. His name is Utin U. And he had been in prison for many, many years because he had been a member of the NLD, the National League for Democracy. And during his many years in prison, he was very careful to not let his mind be overcome with thoughts of enmity or aversion. So he tried to see the warden and officers in the prison, not to, not to see them as his enemies, as one um, usually would do so, but he tried to see them as his friends. So with that, he wanted to prevent feelings of enmity, of hatred towards people who simply had to perform their duty working in the prison. Later, in an interview with Alan Clements, Utin Wu said, during that time, that time in prison, I made it a habit to practice generosity. I offered them, the wardens, the officers, some of the food that my wife brought me here into the prison. With this act of generosity, we can say an act of kindness, I wanted to prevent any notion of seeing them as my enemies. So I usually shared some of my food with them. They too had a hard life in prison even though they were only working there and not being imprisoned. So even if peace out there in the world is not yet a reality, even if people consider others to be their enemies, it is possible to establish peace in ourselves. It is possible to abandon the notion of enemy. And the cultivation of metta provides a path to inner peace so that we can be at peace with ourselves, that we can be at peace with the world around us. So I want to close this talk with a saying that I came across many years ago. I don't know who um, said it. Treat everyone with kindness, even those who are rude to you, not because they are not nice, but because you are nice. I thank you for your kind attention. Thank you for listening.